Hey there, and welcome to Shadow Facts. That's facts as in horse treat-sized pieces of information, a podcast about Lord of the Rings. But only the horse parts. I'm Joey. And I'm Caitlin. And And this this is is our oath. oath. We vow to discuss every horse mentioned or visible in both the Lord of the Rings books and film adaptations, and we do mean every. We vow to rank every horse seen above. We vow to rewrite one of Tolkien's songs per episode to be about horses, live on the pod. And we vow to answer the call of Gondor when the beacon is lit. By which we, of course, mean answer your questions about Lord of the Rings horses to the best of our ability. again in middle earth feels great we already had that yep the that song already played can we listen to it again i like it i mean our listeners can you can after we record this <laughs> well listen i um, think i just think people deserve to hear our acapella cover of horse by horse in addition to the nice polished version okay that's fair so we open in both the book and movie, because we're we're starting with our, you know, ho- horse by horse. Horse basically. by horse. We open with uh, Frodo being nursed back to health and then like waking up. In the house of Elrond. Yeah, in the house of Elrond. And in the movie, we, of course, get that amazing <laughs> shot of Elrond's little. Yeah, it's like floating. a very. How would you describe the effect? It's it's like Elrond's floating head kind of superimposed on another shot in the background, and that shot in the background is uh, Elijah Wood at the peak of his, like, eye-fluttering, soft-chin anguish face. Oh, yeah. It's bad. I wish- I do wish that we could uh, include your, like, heckling of Elijah Wood while we watch the films, because if I'm remembering correctly, you know, just settling in to take our very serious academic notes for this- and you kept yelling at Elijah Wood, blink more! <laughs> he blinks so much. He blinks a lot. In that one moment especially, I didn't notice it otherwise, but it was like all of his emoting was coming through as blinking in that scene. <laughs> Anyways, he wakes up and Gandalf is there. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And has... I'm I'm remembering the book better than the movie, honestly. Um, they're honestly they're took... they're very similar. The book they are the, the big difference is that the book is more gay. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. Um, the the thing I want to I want to point out a couple things in this conversation with him between him and Gandalf. One is that. In the book, sorry, I have to get to the right page here. 
Okay, Gandalf says, still, he said, standing suddenly up and sticking out his chin while his beard <laughs> went stiff and straight like bristling wire. Yeah, I, I also noted that because that felt to me like um the like larger trope in anime, but I'm thinking specifically of like Miyazaki movies where someone is mad and like they kind of puff up yes. like a cat or they're experiencing magic yes. and all their like hair floats up. Well, and it's weird because I was like, okay, does Tolkien imagine Gandalf with, like, a shorter beard? Like, I just am confused. But on page 239, I mean, in my edition, when they're at the, like, banquet and Frodo is, like, looking around at people, Mm -hmm. um, it says Gandalf was shorter in stature than the other two. That is... Elrond and Glorfindel, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but his long white hair, his sweeping silver beard, and his broad shoulders made him look like some broad wise shoulders. King, ancient legend. Damn, Gandalf. His aged face under great snowy brows, his dark eyes were set like coals that could leap suddenly into fire. Wow. Um, so he, I mean, he his beard is described as sweeping and silver, but also like it can just bristle straight out. Yeah. I don't understand. I I don't think that's about the length of the beard. I think that's about how the beard is lying. Yeah. This is... Yeah. Okay, beard discourse, very important. What jumped out to me, like, <laughs> immediately from kind of this segment of the book, and I'm sorry, we will get to horses, but we have very important things to talk I, about first. Here's the thing. Which is that... Beards are just the manes of men. The main. Ugh. Hey, welcome to the Men Main podcast. <laughs> We've taken an oath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, you would when eventually, when we work our way there and back again through the entire podcast and are out of horses to talk about, we will go back through and rate everyone's hair, uh, both head and and facial. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, what stood out to you? Um, that Frodo and Sam have a very sweet gay moment upon Frodo's oh, awakening. Okay, okay, yes, wait, wait. It's extremely gay. I have one other thing to say before we get there. You are killing me, but go on. I'm I'm so sorry. It's just I'm going in order here. Um it this is this is a thing that's going to recur later and so I want to talk about it cuz I had not I I was surprised by it, I think. Mm-hmm. This is after Frodo has like been stabbed by the Morgul blade and whatever, right? Right. And he's healed, but when Gandalf looks at him before yeah. like, going out um, he says, the color had come back to his face and his eyes were clear and fully awake and aware. He was smiling and there seemed to be little wrong with him. But to the wizard's eye, there was a faint change, just a hint, as it were, of transparency about him, and especially about the left hand that lay outside upon the coverlet. Still, that must be expected, said Gandalf to himself. He is not half through yet, and to what he will come in the end, not even Elrond can foretell. Not to evil, I think. He may become like a glass filled with a clear yeah. light for eyes to see that can. And like, I just, that was really interesting to me. Yeah. It's also interesting because that wound in the book has such a greater and more present effect on him than it does in the movies. Like, it's hard to, you know, uh, Elijah Wood certainly does some like clutching of his wound, um, mm-hmm. which still pains him. And, you know, they mentioned that, but... In addition to that, um, it's 
mentioned later in this segment that, like, after that, Frodo can see in the dark better than anyone yeah, in the party. Yeah, so in, in Moria, and we'll get there in this episode, too, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that this idea comes back. Um, but I just, I wanted to include that to set set the stage for the later things. Okay, now, please... Please. us, Sam and Frodo's reunion. Joey, at that moment, there was a knock on the door Mm -hmm. and Sam came in. He ran to Frodo and took his hand, awkwardly and shyly. He stroked it gently, and then he blushed and turned hastily away. Hello, Sam, said Frodo. My God. I know, I know. (laughs) It's warm, said Sam, meaning your hand, Mr. Frodo. It has felt so cold through the long nights. But glory and trumpets, he cried, turning around again with shining eyes and dancing on the floor. It's fine to see you up in yourself again, sir. Wow. Fellas. Hey, hey, fellas. Is it gay to stroke your your bro's hand gently and then blush and turn hastily away? And it has felt so cold through the long nights. That means Sam has been sitting beside Frodo's bed, holding his hand for like four nights in a row. Oh, my God. Love, that's romance. Not even, not even cow and mushroom, the greatest story of love we've encountered in this universe so far, can hold a candle to that. Yeah, even Horse Baron and Horse Luthien. (laughs) I'd forgotten about Horse Baron and Horse Luthien. (laughs) Uh, But really, like, in addition to being extremely gay and making me, like, say, oh my god, out loud when I read that segment, I feel like that is such a, a, a good example of something I really liked about this segment, which is there's so many wonderful little moments of characterization and interaction and like care and comfort between these characters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really good. There's a lot. Do you want to talk about some horses? Yeah. Okay, so the first horse sighting in this segment Mm -hmm. is actually in the movie. Um, Yes, that is correct. And on top of that, um, it's it's not technically a horse, but hear me out. It's still a mount. Okay. I thought I knew what you were talking about, and now I don't. <laughs> it's the great eagle. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Yes. The first, uh, which we're not going to count in our running total of horses, but did feel worth mentioning. We see yes. uh, um, the great eagle. Um, and in the book, Gandalf. he has a name. It's it's Gwaihir the the Wind Lord. Yeah, fastest or what is it? Swiftest of the great eagles or something. Something. That that's another instant of kind of like it being very asynchronous between the book and the movie because we don't hear about that for a while in the book. Okay, but this one's yeah. an actual horse. Um, Next, we see okay an actual horse. Um, Frodo has woken when up. Boromir arrives. Right. What? When Boromir arrives? No, there's a horse before that. What? A bonus surprise horse. Um, oh my god. So this is before the council begins and everyone arrives for the council. Um, this is kind of like a wide shot of Rivendell and there's a, an elf on a white horse kind of on a um, mountain trail oh, leading right. towards Rivendell. I totally forgot. That horse might be Askeloth, who featured... Yes, so yes, in the previous that's episode. a good point. I was, we don't know I was sure. thinking to myself idly that it might be a horse we see later for um, the council. There are several, like, elves on horses there. But, and you you pointed this out because the rider is wearing um, kind of 
shimmery fabric that looks very similar to what Arwen wears. I'm not sure that that's... Yes. It might be Arwen and Asphaloth, but that rules out it being a Mirkwood elf because the clothing there is very different. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, speaking... Speaking of Asphaloth, there is some information I came across that I left out of the last episode because I didn't know it yet. And we had apparently not done as much research as we should have. Oh my god. And I'm trying to find it now. I can't believe you Um. introduce this giant cliffhanger and then leave me waiting for like three or four seconds. What is it? I know. I'm so sorry. It's that Asphaloth was played by three different Andalusian horses. Oh, wow. Three different ones? Yes. There was one used for the galloping scenes. Okay. There was one used for... Well, I think I think one was used for sort of like close-up galloping and one was used for like the fast gallop wide shot and one was used for when Arwen is not on the horse <laughs> and it's just like in the background. Why would they um, use a different horse for that? I do not know. I mean, listen, I guess horse actors, it's like, it's like how sometimes they don't film movies with like human actors all in the same place because those actors are busy and are committed to different movies. I like respect horse actors time. Yeah. Time, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, here we, here we go. So Florian, oh, this is, so it says Odie was used for scenes in which Arwen was oh, unhorsed. Okay. Hero was used for high-speed chases, and Florian was the hero horse. So so that means, like, the close-up shots. Okay, yeah. Like yeah, a yeah, hero yeah. prop. So, okay. Um, I'm just not familiar with that, like, jargon, because mm-hmm. I don't know. So Florian is kind of like what you think of, but like there's a lot of high speed chases. So a lot of that horse is hero. Okay. So uh, there's like, um, I I think a well-known anecdote that Viggo Mortensen, who bought his own horse um, from the movie because he Uh, developed such a relationship with it at the same time, bought um, Liv Tyler Arwen's stunt, like riding double the horse that she rode because she loved that horse so much. So that like kind of muddies the water there. If there's three different Asphaloths, I have to imagine that was like the high speed horse. Maybe there were two different riding doubles, actually Jane Abbott and Sonia Duncan. I feel like, and okay, we might, I, I'll I have to poke if, into this anecdote yeah. a little more than I want to yeah. say it's Jane <laughs> Abbott, but I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, so obviously more research to do there, but I wanted to um, include that information because I... Yeah, important. Important. And also, multiple horse identities will come up later and prominently in this episode. Oh, very much so. Okay, so, but um, hold on. We have to so go wait. after that No, no, no. We, not after. Oh, Joey, oh, right. you are okay. neglecting yes. our most sorry, sacred sorry. duty, so which sorry. is the counting so of sorry. the horses. Yes, I was thinking of it as Asphaloth, even though we have no proof that it is. Okay, so do you want to assume that is Asphaloth then, and not count it towards... What What do you think, archivally know. speaking, what is the greater sin? To double count a horse or to exclude a horse? I think in this context we should probably double count rather than exclude. Oh, interesting not, because I was coming rule. down in the opposite direction. I okay. was ready to say I, see, I don't know if based on the cloak which a lot of um 
the Rivendell elves wear that really shiny, shimmery fabric. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like a crushed velour, honestly, but like fancy. But from far away, it looks great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they give us the the cues that it's Arwen, just because like we don't have any other information, and it's like the same kind of cloak on a white horse. Um. And here's the thing. I don't, they don't, hmm, hmm. I don't know if this is actually true. I was going to say the length of her cloak and like the way it like lays over that horse's rump mm-hmm. feels very much like the way they portray like women, like female elves on horses. Mm. Um, There's just, but... I suspect we will probably see some cloaks lying, yeah, like over horses. Yeah, because later. the elves are all I about just... like lots and lots of fabric that flows and drapes. Right. Um, I, I'm I willing. Know. I'm willing to call this horse Asphaloth for now and not count it towards the total. And if we ever uncover information, more information that says otherwise, okay, we'll revisit. Okay, okay. so let's yeah. say that's Asphaloth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. So. After that, we have the entrance of, well, okay, sorry, I do have to say one thing, (laughs) which is, I'm I'm so sorry. In the book, before the Council of Elrond, um, they're all hanging out and singing and stuff, and Bilbo has written this song that he chants, Mm. and then right after he's done, and Aragorn Strider has, like, helped him write it, supposedly. Yeah. And right after he's done, the elves are like, let's hear it again, especially if you want us to guess, like, which of you wrote which verse, because apparently that's what Bilbo wanted. And Bilbo was like, no, it should be really obvious. And then the elves are like, honestly, we've never thought about mortals long enough to be able to distinguish between any of you, so I don't know what you want us to do here. Great. And it... It was just funny. The elves dunking on Hobbit's counter ticks up once again. Yes. And not just, I mean, not just dunking on Hobbit's, dunking on all mortals. Yeah. But get, get fucked the last sons of Numenor. Yep. Okay. There's actually, hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's actually one more. (laughs) (laughs) We are out of control. Okay. There's one last thing I do want to mention before we get into the council of Elrond, Uh um, which is. Kind of a scary moment. So Bilbo and Frodo have their reunion. Oh, yeah. Um, And in the books, this happens, or in the movie, this happens after the Council of Elrond when Frodo has already, like, declared that he's going to continue to be the ring bearer. And that's when Bilbo gives him Mithril and Sting. Um, In the book, it happens Mm -hmm. before. And that's when um, Bilbo kind of has his moment of of transformation upon seeing the ring again. Um, yeah. Which is a scary scene, but I thought of the detail from the book that like made it stand out to me as really um, awful is Frodo says he felt the momentary desire to strike him. Yeah. Like Frodo has this response of like revulsion. Yeah. And like defensiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just sort of like fear or alarm or, whatever it it's really interesting i've got to say bilbo has i think a little more maturity in the book Mm -hmm. than he does 
in the film, like when he recovers from that moment, he says something about like, oh, wow, like uh, I didn't realize, I, I don't know. I don't remember what exactly he says, Um, but it <laughs> in the movie, he's he immediately goes into sort of like whimpering and fear. And I don't know. I just feel like we get more sort of like understanding from him. In the oh, book. I super I don't read that as fear i read that very much as regret because the conversation that follows is so bilbo immediately starts crying and goes immediately into that like i'm sorry i gave the ring to you i'm sorry that we are living through these times it it feels like i don't know it feels yeah no that's like regret and shame and not as much fear yeah that's that's fair i think there was like an immediate fear of himself like yeah. of his own reaction that's like yeah um yeah yeah i don't know i uh, look i really struggle with like seeing things i don't know kind of like made real in a movie it is i just feel like so much is lost when it, something that was my imagination becomes visual and it's hard for me to kind of like i don't know i just feel like we lose like nuance and subtlety upon seeing something. And like when we see like Bilbo's face go all scary, it, I don't know. It just feels worse to me. And I don't know, like, I don't mean like Bilbo is a worse person. I just mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I have a lot of these feelings about Moria too, that like, I think the Balrog is almost scarier when they have not seen it yet. Um, when it is like the sound coming and the distant light sure and like the watcher in the water is scarier when it is just movement in the water than when we see the full thing which is scary but it because i don't know it's just you can no longer imagine the worst because you've seen well yeah i mean that's you know that's like the ongoing conundrum of like horror cinema i think i think like that feeling i don't feel that as strongly as you do I think for me, it's more of a conflict between, like, uh, of adaptation. Like, the way that the movies, because there's, there's so many, y- you described it as a, a loss of nuance, which is totally true. Like, there's just not enough time in that medium to touch upon everything, to touch upon it yeah. as deeply. And I think the movie, the movies really do a good job of, of hitting very particular emotional beats in a way that feels true and adds something to the film. But that is not always, like, a one-to-one to to the book. Like, it's not like, oh, it's not just that they, like, change mechanically what's happening. They, like, kind of put different emotional spins on some scenes. And I think a lot of the times that works for me. Like, in the movie, Frodo's reaction there is not revulsion. It's, It's fear at the transformation of someone he loves. And that's just different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, horses. Um, yes. So Boromir rides in. Oh, Boromir. He is on a horse. He's, he's, let me tell you, there's a horse. Yeah, that horse is a beautiful bay Mm -hmm. with, so it has kind of a blaze star combo. It has a blaze like that starts at its nose and goes up, but then it kind of like fades out and then comes back as like a fairly like diffuse star higher up its forehead. Yeah, and it does... A thing that I like is that blazes can kind of start at different areas in the face, but this horse's blaze goes, like, almost all the way down to his tip, the tip of his nose, which is very cute. Yeah, yeah. It's very, like, from the lip up. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a nice looking horse. It's, um, it's more delicate than some of the like cart horses than we've, that we've seen, but like certainly like a sturdy horse, like there's a full grown man on, on it. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it does. Um, all of its legs have like kind of black, um, socks or points, um, no white socks on that horse. Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you want to name? Okay. I have, I have a recommendation. Feel free to shoot this one down. Uh-huh. Um, as okay. kind of like a tongue-in-cheek commentary on the um, the the bad brothers relationship, what if we named Boromir's horse Faramir? Oh my god! Uh, Is that too mean? What if we What if we name it Hubris? Perfect. Great. <laughs> hubris the horse, called Hugh for short. Yep. Okay. So. After Boromir, we get the Mirkwood contingent, which is four elves in a row on horses. First, um, yes. everyone's everyone's fave, Legolas, uh, rides in on a light dappled horse with kind of a light mane. So a lot of the, prepared here, the same words, a lot, a lot of the elvish horses are, most of them are light colored in, in particular in this like party. A lot of them are kind of light colored dapples with some small but important differences. So Legolas is first. Yeah, a really like solidly white horse is pretty rare. So like mm-hmm. most white horses are not fully white. They're like white with some gray or kind of dapply silver. Or... Yeah. Well, and a thing that we talked about during the movie, I don't know if this is an intentional aesthetic choice to kind of reflect the aesthetics of of elf cities or more of a kind of concession to you can't, you know, it it lessens the dramatic punch of a white horse if you have, like, six all-white horses. But all of the, a lot of the elvish horses are dappled, just, like, the light quality. And, like, all of the elvish set pieces that we see have this really intentional, like, dappled light quality, which is really, um, like, beautiful and ethereal. And I thought it was kind of, whether or not it's intentional, yeah. I thought that felt like a, a kind of important echoing there absolutely like the sun the way the sun like light filters through leaves is very much reflected in the oh my god we have to name can we give okay we have to give one Mm. of these horses a very friends at the table like the way the light filters through leaves name oh yeah 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 okay so yeah first legolas on a light dappled horse with um a light solid mane Yes, so its mane is pretty white. It has a very rectangular head. Mm-hmm. Honestly, not the prettiest horse I've no, ever it, seen. No, it has, well, especially because up to this point, we've seen lots of horses with, like, very um, exaggerated extended forelocks, and this horse has just a shrimpy, shrimpy, tiny little forelock. Yeah, it has, like, a very short mane. Like, they give Bill the fucking pony mane and forelock extensions, and this white elf horse... <laughs> It's nothing. Yeah, it's kind of a... Um, yeah. Uh, so there's... Yes, there's that horse. We'll come back to naming... Yes. Who's who's behind that? So is that the second horse with Figwit? No, Figwit is third. Second is an unnamed Okay, so the second horse, yes, we just see very briefly, and that's the one that kind of cuts... It comes in and then, like, cuts right. Mm -hmm. Right, and then the third horse kind of comes in and overshadows it. Um, so that third horse is also white-ish, but it has- Wait, is this the second horse or the third horse? Sorry, second horse, I just wrote it down wrong. 
That second horse is also white-ish with a grayer mane. Yeah, yeah. It has, like, definitely what I would describe as, like, a steel gray mane. Yeah. And has... And we really don't have a lot of information beyond Yeah, and that. it has it has some kind of a darker nose and muzzle as if it was very delicately dunked on something, which is very cute. Yeah, Figwit's horse also has that, right? Uh, yes, but it is darker. So Okay, yeah. so after that horse okay. is Figwit, who... <laughs> I was explaining this to Joey. Um, for those who don't know, Figwit is an elf portrayed by Brett McKenzie of Flight of the Concords. Figwit is not a canon name. That is a fan-created name for this character who was unnamed by the time Fellowship came out. Figwit is an acronym for Frodo is great. Who is that? <laughs> Which? Moi. Um, so Fig- oh. Figwit, the elf. Speaking of Frodo is great, we did gloss over. There's a moment a few minutes before this where Sam and Frodo are walking through Rivendell together. And like, it's just really gay. Like, they're just like taking a walk together. And it's really charming. Yeah, and it's, they it's that, it's that bonding from having like survived. It's very sweet. Survived trials with something you, with someone you care about. And it brings you closer together. You know? Cl- yeah, like they're Joey, not quite Joey, it brings hands, you, I... Joey, it brings you closer, you know? Yeah, so, just so much closer, and suddenly you're just holding hands all the time. Wow. Okay, back to Figwit. Figwit. Yes, so Figwit's horse. Is another light is... dapply horse, which there's three dapples in a row. Yeah, Um. it also has a gray mane and gray muzzle but i think a little darker than that and, yeah and goes a little a little higher up the horses like ending almost at like the horse's cheek instead of lower down yes it- yes and then there's sorry did you no go ahead go ahead <laughs> okay and then there's one more horse a fourth horse that we just barely get a glimpse of that seems less dapply more white also has a light mane um and we just like see its head for a second and that's all we Yeah, know. this horse is on screen for <laughs> not very many frames, but here he is, archived. Here he is. What do you... Oh, I do want to point out also that I learned that according to Tolkien, elf horses did not use bits and bridles. They only used ornamental head stalls, which I'm assuming are like a halter. Um, So it goes around the horse's head, but does not yeah i think uh, i think specifically it's like a halter with a um a thick like ornamental brow band a pretty yeah 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 um the horses in the movie on the other hand all have bits and bridles um except shadow facts who we'll get to later um this makes sense because it's difficult to control horses without mm-hmm. um, a bit. Um, but I do want to say that canonically Tolkien said that elf horses just, you know, like went where they went because of, I don't know, n- nobleness we, or good. We found someone, some we found, we, we in fact, <laughs> you while looking this up, found someone who was like the spiritual predecessor to Shadowfax who like at a Q&A with uh, JRT was like, well, like you said that elves don't use tack, but you described the the jingling of the bells on um, Asphaloth's tack when Glorfindel like met the party, and JRT was like, you're right, there shouldn't have been tack. Yes, and then in well, there's tack, but not a bit and bridle specifically, which is what previous editions had said. So in uh, 
additions after that, it was changed to Headstall. Mm, wow. Yep. Yeah. So what do you want to name these horses? What do we want to name these horses? Um, Let's start, let's just, let's go in order. Okay, so Legolas and his okay. horses first. Legolas is... What do you think he would name his horse? Blocky-headed horse. Yeah, blocky-headed. Is there an elvish word for square? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Flipping through my little dictionary here. Mm-hmm. Oh, shoot. I'm in the... I'm in the wrong... I'm in the backward section. I need the section that goes the other direction. Oh, Hold on. Yeah. Go. Um, I'm not seeing square. Hmm. Um... We sh- We could do... Uh, okay. <laughs> How do you feel about, um... Nemroch, which means nose horse. <laughs> nose horse? Yeah, because, like, it has a, a, a big nose. <laughs> Like, you know, I was going to say it's Legolas, so we could also name it, like, Arrow or something. Oh, yeah. that I mean, that is nice. <laughs> well, because it, it, its nose isn't that big. It's, it's just got a big forehead. It's true. Yeah. I mean, it's not even, the, I, it's not really, like, the size of any individual part. It's just, like, the overall shape is very... Yeah. I don't know. Very blocky. Oh, I bet there's a word for bald because he doesn't um, have a forelock, actually. Let me look that up really fast. Oh, yeah. See if, see if for bald. Um, there's also... Bald is rude. R-U-D-H. Um, okay. Is that in Cinderin or Quenya? That's in Cinderin. Okay. Um, wait. Is the D-H supposed to be pronounced like a th- the sound? I d- you know, gotta be totally honest here. D- don't know. I bet it is. But there's I, no IPA with Yeah, there these is words. a pronunciation guide somewhere in that book, but I don't know where and I don't have mine on me. Oh wait, I can verify this because I'm looking at some other word with that in it with IPA and it's I'm pretty sure that's the symbol for that. Um like I made the Spanish softy. Just Googling IPA. <laughs> Which is... I feel like we're caught up on this here. Maybe we should just name the horse Arrow. Uh, sh- sure, sure. Or yeah. some other Arrow-related no. terminology, because Arrow I also nice. believe that Legolas is enough of a jock that, like, he would be like, yeah, sit, this is my horse, knife. Um, is, I mean, is the Elvish word for Arrow in there? I just, we don't have to name all of the Elvish horses in Elvish, but that's what we have done thus far, so. Yeah. Arrow is not in here. Okay, man, bow of iron is in here. Uh, forest, because it, you know, is iron colored. Hot elf. <laughs> okay, if we're gonna if we're gonna stick with elvish, I, I it's mean, but I want to name this horse bald because of his lack of forelock because it's the main thing we noticed about him. Yeah, um, totally. I think there's wait, hold on, just a second. Um, Ruth Labor. Which is just bald horse. It's spelled R- R-U-D-H-L-O-B-O-R. Rude labor. That's me as a worker. Uh-huh. Great. Great news. Okay. Okay. Next up. Second horse. We oh, have the light dapple of- with the dark horse and mane. Yeah. Of iron. What was that? Oh, shoot. Let me let me get it back. Um, Of iron is Ongren. A-N-G-R-E-N. I feel like that could stand of itself. Yep. Ongren, that's that horse's name. What about Great. Figwit's horse? Figwit's horse? Let's name it Germain. Okay. I was gonna see if there was an Elvish word for fig, but... <laughs> oh, that's cute. 
Um, Do figs exist in Middle Earth? I have no idea. Okay, hold on. We can... I'm looking in the, okay, I'm looking um, here's in the an idea. botany section of this Cinderin glossary. It... Oh, by the way, this just, it bears repeating. The research that I have done for this podcast has royally fucked my algorithm. I get served so many, like, weird ads for Lord of the Rings merchandise now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you, you didn't seem jazzed about Jermaine. Hear me out. Uh-huh. The masculine suffix is eon. So I want to name the horse Germain because that's the other member of the Flight of the Concords. Uh-huh. If we make it Germanion, it sounds more yeah. no, I, fancy. That's perfect. I love it. And also Germain. Ger- I know it's main. not Germain like a horse's mane, but oh wow, that's another that's layer. Another layer. And our beautiful, our beautiful horse baklava yes and then the fourth the mystery horse the mystery horse um that we hardly see uh i want a word that's just like glimpse or shadow or spark Ooh, old man that's cute oh that's only in what is that language that is not elvish is it nor what language? oh it's in black speech let's not do that no we can't do that. I just wanted to name the horse Old Man. That's very cute. Yeah, but not in Mordor we could language. D- no. Okay, hear me. Maybe we should save this one. Um, m- My glossary does offer an Elvish word for petty. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's... Nibbin. Let's Let's save that, though. Keep keep that one in the bank. Uh-huh. Ooh, what about Radiance? Because it's yeah. the um, kind of single colored. So do you want it in Quinya or Cinderin? In Quinya I... it's Alata and in Cinderin it's Galad. Oh, like Galadriel. Galadriel. Um yeah. let's do E L is the feminine suffix for something. One. It is um E L and Wen W E N are both um like basically mean maiden. I just I just scrolled past it in this one and it it was not just maiden, it was like garland draped maiden or something like very specific. Okay. What's what was Alata? Was that the first one? Yeah. Yeah, how do you yeah, spell Alata? A L A T A. Great. Beautiful. Wow, we named five horses. Okay. So, let me I have to um I have not been writing my numbers as we go. Okay. Okay, Hubris 1. Yes. Rudlabor, Angren, Germanion, and then Alata, four. Yes. Great. Perfect. And now we have to switch back to the books because we are firmly in the Council of Elrond. Yes, which in which... the books, we get like a recap of like everything that has happened so far, but like from different people's perspectives. To yeah, fill in so the gaps. I, think, I think people point the Council of Elrond as being like a very long kind of dry section, but I actually really liked it because it does a thing that I think these books do interestingly, which is like, it's very meta about information, about the like unreliability and imprecise nature of information and how incomplete and different it is from person to person and culture to culture. And I love that shit. Yeah, actually, that's great. Um, in this account, we mm-hmm. have our first reference to the horse we're named after. Oh, we're not there yet, though. Oh. Do you, we should do the other stuff first chronologically, if that's okay. Yep, I just visually skipped over it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I, But you're right, and I'm so excited for it. Yes. But there's, like, yes. actual, no, real-ass, meaty, beefy 
chunky horse lore. Yes, there's so much before that. So, okay, first, and this is only the second reference to horses in the chapter, so it's kind of wild that this is, like, this deals with some of the, like, metaphorical questions, or the ethical questions we were delving into in the first. Metaphysical, (laughs) yes, thank you. Yes. Um, I split the difference, Mm -hmm. and it worked. Anyways, so, Gandalf says, and this is to to Frodo. Mm-hmm. You were in gravest peril while you wore the ring, for then you were half in the wraith world yourself, and they might have seized you. You could see them, and they could see you. I know, said Frodo, they were terrible to behold. But why could we all see their horses? Because they are real horses, just as the black robes are real robes that they wear to give shape to their nothingness when they have dealing with, with the living. And why do these black horses endure such riders? All other animals are terrified when they draw near, even the elf horse of Glorfindel. The dogs howl and the geese scream at them. And Gandalf replies, because these horses are born and bred to the service of the Dark Lord and Mordor. Yeah. Yeah, Which is so like, that kind of directly contradicts what we had guessed. Yes, that answers some of what we were speculating about. And yes, we are corrected in some ways is that these... Yeah, these horses are, presumably have regular horse lifespans. Um, I don't know why the movie chooses to portray them covered in evil goop. Um, I mean, to be fair, I I think that's just like visual language for like this this yeah. thing is evil because yeah. a lot of the like orcs and orakai are unfortunately gooey as well. Yeah, I also so I interpreted like the early there's an early reference to the the wraiths. Um, in the book where like a random hobbit describes one of them as like he was a black chap too um as as being sort of racial but like given we have more information now they're totally invisible except for the clothing they wear yeah until frodo you know puts the ring on or like is stabbed by the blade and then he starts to exist on sort of the wraith plane and can see them. Um, so mm-hmm. that was a a reference to just their clothing um, and not kind of like racial characteristics um, because... Not that it makes his racial politics <coughs> any better, but in right, this particular but, instance, yes. he meant like void and nothingness. Yes. Yeah. And so the next the next little segment right after this, I have book bookmark this is when elrond kind of um joins the conversation mm-hmm. and elrond says to frodo the riders made straight for you as soon as you fled they did not need the guidance of their horses any longer you had become visible to them which kind of you know the conversations we were having about whether top when strider says the horses can see them and then again we were speculating how much the horses were like willing participants in yeah. this yeah so that i mean I don't know. The wraiths obviously are like no good, but that does speak to kind of an interesting um, teamwork relationship between wraiths and horses that the wraiths are dependent upon horses for their sight. Yeah. Yep. Um, Yeah. And then there's, let's see. So they're kind of recounting like what happens when, you know, Frodo is like being chased on Asphaloth. Mm-hmm. And um, and there is a line again about Asphaloth, which says they knew that nothing could save you if the white horse could not. And I don't know. It's just like that's a lot 
of uh, like trust to put in a horse that like it says a lot about the way they view Asphaloth that like well they also yeah they also talk about later when they actually like when the rest of the party is able to cross the ford like after the race have been swept away the, the specific language is that they found the horse there guarding Frodo who is yes. unconscious yeah absolutely mm-hmm. friend shaped yeah and then we get a little bit more of like uh what exactly happened from like Gandalf's perspective with like the river Yeah, I, I like this because stuff. Gandalf kind of like brags about his own work a little yeah. bit. Um which is nice. Gandalf says or hold on, wait, let me Frodo asks who made the flood. Oh yes. Um and Gandalf says, if I may say so, I added a few touches of my own. You may not have noticed, but some of the waves took the form of great white horses with shining white riders. Yeah. And then, um, um, which is good. Also, going back to like the the teamwork thing, right before that, they're describing like what happened to the race as they're swept away, and what's revealed is that like while Frodo is out, so the the river comes sweeping in, and Glorfindel and Aragorn, Aragorn and the hobbits like come running up behind them with uh flaming torches. Yeah, and um the it's a the quote is caught between fire and water and seeing an elf lord revealed in his wrath yeah. they were dismayed and their horses were stricken with madness three were carried away by the first assault of the flood the others were now hurled into the water by their horses and overwhelmed yep. and frodo asks is that the end of the black riders no said gandalf their horses must have perished and without them they are crippled yeah and says uh later on there's a reference to like soon they'll find new steeds yeah yeah so it's 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 actually it's 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 a very menacing quote let me see if i can find it um gandalf says um and this is later when the fellowship has already left gandalf says the nine have been unhorsed indeed but this is a but a respite ere they find new steeds and swifter yeah. Which we will see in return. Yeah. And it's fine. There's another horse um, in the book that we're coming up on, and that is Radagast's horse. Yeah. What are your Radagast feelings? I don't even know. We don't get a lot about him. Mm-hmm. You know, here, I'm looking at this reference again. I, I feel like, unfortunately, it's so hard to separate text Radagast from, like, <laughs> wretched cgi rabbit slay radagast in the hobbit movies oh right which i have not like look i've only seen the first hobbit movie and i fell asleep part way through and so like i it has not none of that stuff has been ruined for me yeah i mean i radagast is not like a character i cared deeply about or had a many cogent and deep thoughts about anyways it's just you know that is very much what I picture now when I think about Radagast. Yeah. We do have the line, so it says, like, I turned then east and north and journeyed along the greenway, and not far from Bree I came upon a traveler sitting on a bank beside the road with his grazing horse beside him. It was Radagast the Brown who at one time dwelt at Roscobel near the borders of Mirkwood. He is one of my order, but I had not seen him for many a year. I'm also, like, I know there are, what, five wizards or whatever, but I just, 
I do, I feel sort of curious now about, like, the wizard order. Like, I just... Where is everyone else during this, like, continent-spanning war? Yeah, I just, I also, like, are there any, uh, like, are there other orders of wizards? I did have kind of a funny moment of, like, imagining it as, like, Gandalf's graduating class. (laughs) (laughs) It's the kids he went to high school with, the wizard high school. his cohort. Um, God... Which, like, is not what Tolkien is getting at, but um, I like it. No, that's really good, though. So so Radagast brings Gandalf a message from Saruman, which is definitely not a trap, and is like, hey, um, I have bad news. Come see me as soon as possible. And then Gandalf, Radagast, like, pieces out. Yeah, Gandalf does say, like, send out messages to all the beasts and birds that are your friends. Tell them to bring news of anything that bears on this matter to Saruman and Gandalf. Let messages be sent to Orthanc. And that actually ends up helping him because a moth comes and visits him when he's trapped on top of that tower because of what he told Radagast. It's not even the moth. It's in the book. It's oh, just straight it, up. The, eagle the bird himself. brings him unrelated news. Okay. And so right. the bird, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is like, this is a very exciting, for me, it's page 255. But this is an exciting ass page because it mentions the great eagles for the first time and, and the, the great beast for which our podcast oh is named. So before we get there, we have to name the horse that Radagast has. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is um, weird because Radagast... we have no visuals and usually, like, we're naming horses based on visuals. Radagast is, like, yeah, we, the nature we, So we, we actually, we have not done this before. We have not named horses from the book. Yeah, because we've never we encountered have... an unnamed horse in the book yet. Oh, my God, is that true? Yeah. I, I guess that well... we have, but because we've encountered many unnamed horses, but, like, it does not linger upon... Yeah, I forgot. There Horses. there were there have been a couple ponies here and there, but the ponies Tom Bombadil gave names to those and ponies. And people like riding and to and from places. Yeah. Bill had a pony and I or Bill is a pony and has a name. Um so yeah, yeah so I guess we don't I don't know. It just feels like this is a horse in a way that like the other ones were not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not opposed to naming this horse. I feel like it makes more sense to name them in the movies because we can, like, see them and point to them and be like, this horse right here. Yeah, I don't know. But we can certainly name Radagast horse. This isn't covered in our vows, is it? This isn't covered in our vows, but, like, we can can go above and beyond now and then. We just say that we're going to discuss every horse, right, and then rank every horse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, I think to rank horses, you need them to have names. Oh man, this is like, this is actually kind of a big question about like who we are and what we do because then we might need, to, we might need to redo our, so our, our ranking and like categorization is currently, we have, we will give you a little peek behind the curtain. So we have three different tabs in the like official Shadow Facts, like bib, annotated bib. Yeah. <laughs> the book references these songs uh, for our, our third vow and movie and so our kind of like running total of horses in the films is is on and honestly i we've kind of been interpreting the vow as only movie like we haven't been counting horses in the book because that's a little it's a little more abstract and less in focus than it is in the movie and then we would have to keep different counts for the book and the movie because they are not the same Hmm. i 
think that naming I I like I, I'm comfortable with their current interpretation of the vow to like we are going to discuss all the horses and like rank the ones that we can see. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you do your language in the second vow is we we vow to rank every horse seen above, right? Mm. And mm-hmm above in i guess above doesn't make sense in an audio format but it's the vow i had just said (laughs) which is discuss every horse mentioned or visible and then if you say seen then that yeah seems to imply movie horses yeah but all of that being said like we can still name radagast's horse you know yeah i think we should name radagast's horse i think we should name it rabbit (laughs) wow perfect rabbit the horse yeah um, not just because of the Hobbit thing, but it just feels fitting. He, you know, he likes critters. Like, that's his deal. Well, and he's, I feel like, not to make an animal pun, but I feel like part of his whole deal is, like, he's a little squirrely, and so it feels very, um, appropriate for him to name an animal a different animal because it's a little confusing. Yeah. 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 In one of my Stardew okay, Valley so... saves, all of my farm animals are just named after other animals chaotic my horse is named duck i have a cow named horse i have another cow named goat i have a chicken named cow i have a chicken i mean one of the first horses like it's just maybe the first horse we named was a horse named cow so (laughs) yeah i guess wow um okay so let's get back on after radagast yeah so so gandalf asks radagast to like send word gandalf rides to saruman's immediately gets captured and i do want to stop on this really fast because gandalf has a very funny quote about this which is both like has great twitter cadence and also i think it's just a great moment of characterization for gandalf so gandalf says about his imprisonment i was in an evil plight and those who know me well will agree i have seldom been in such need and do not bear such misfortune well yeah. Um I also do not bear misfortune well, Gandalf. Yeah. There's also I will give credit to Book Gandalf in that he realizes that something is up like as soon as he arrives in Isengard. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's much less clueless than like nice new uh, evil obsidian throne. Yeah. Saruman. Like he feels it. I also like this line. Um he says I have come for your aid, Saruman the White. And that title seemed to anger him. Have you indeed, Gandalf the Grey? He scoffed. For aid, it has seldom been heard of that, heard of that Gandalf the Grey sought for aid, one so cunning and so wise, wandering about the lands and concerning himself in every business, whether it belongs to him and or not. Um, and when we were watching this together, I made a joke about. Well, Caitlin brought up uh, Gandalf and Saruman being uh, bitter exes, which I had already been thinking. And I likened them to Nancy and Deirdre from our latest Midnight in Salem stream. Um, God, truly. Because Saruman is like, like Gandalf is definitely Nancy Drew and Saruman is Deirdre. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Saruman is like so catty there. Yeah. Like, why do you have to like stick your nose where it doesn't belong all the time? Well, and it's not just that he's catty, but yes, yes, and that you're you're being awfully, like, rude and nosy, but also Gandalf reacts to it the same way that Nancy reacts to Deirdre, which is just like, well, gee, that that's a great point, Deirdre, like, what can I do to help? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so, um, then 
the swiftest of the great eagles, the Wind Lord, shows up to rescue Gandalf. And there's just, I kind of want to read this chunk just because there's a lot of good shit going on here. Yeah. It's kind of a longer chunk. Gwaihir, the Wind Lord, swiftest of the great eagles, came unlooked for to Orthanc, and he found me standing on the pinnacle. Then I spoke to him, and he bore me away before Saruman was aware. I was far from Isengard, ere the wolves and orcs issued from the gate to pursue me. How far can you bear me? I said to Gwaihir. Many leagues, said he, but not to the ends of the earth. I was sent to bear tidings, not burdens. <laughs> Which is so, so snappy. Yep. And Gandalf says, that I must have a steed on land, I said, and a steed surpassingly swift, for I have never had such need of haste before. Then I will bear you to Edoras, where the Lord of Rohan sits in his halls, he said, and that is not very far off. And I was glad, for in the Ritamark of Rohan the Rohirrim, the horse lords dwell, and there are no horses like those that are bred in that great vale between the misty mountains and the white. Yeah. Um, it is interesting, he asks Gwaihir after that, like, if the men of Rohan are still to be trusted. And Gwaihir says that they pay a tribute of horses and send many yearly to Mordor, or so it is said, but they are not yet under the yoke. Um, and so it's interesting because we had that line about the murder of horses being born and bred in Mordor. <gasps> Oh my god, what if they're but, from Rohan? Right, but it also says they're born and bred in Mordor, but then it also says that Rohan is sending a tribute of horses. So... Well, they, like, they have to get that, that, like, initial stock from somewhere. Like, that's Yeah, but yes, probably I also... those horses are related, uh, at least related to, to Rohan horses. That's grim and wonderful. Yeah. I... I a thing that I like about this quick little like aside about how Rohan pays tribute, and also um, the reason that Gimli is at the Council of Elrond is that um, like a writer from Mordor has already appeared multiple times to the, oh, like yeah. the Dwarven King and been like, um, "Will you help us?" And they, in an effort to put him off, just keep saying, "I need to think about the offer." Yeah. And the thing that I like about both of those is like it increases like that it you, like existing in the world makes you complicit and it is a big and complicated political threat that exists and not just like some dudes with swords who like roll up one day like it is an ongoing thing that has already been affecting people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, no one who shows up at the Council of Elrond is there because they know that Frodo is there with the ring. They're all there right. because shit is going bad. and Yeah, yeah, and, and they have all these different sort of and conflicting together, pieces of information. Yeah, at the same yeah. time. Almost by it's coincidence. wild. Yeah. So, like, right after that, the, uh, the Wind Lord drops Gandalf off at Rohan, and we get kind of a glimpse of, like, major happenings in the Two Tower that something is up with the king. Yes. But we also get our introduction to Shadow Yes. Facts. Can I read little snippets here? Yes. Gandalf says, he bade me take a horse and be gone. That's about the king of Rohan, uh, Theoden, which mm -hmm. who we'll meet later. And I chose one much to my liking, but little to his. I took the best horse in his land, and I have never seen the like of him. Um, and Aragorn You says, have to say the next line. Then he must yeah, because... be a noble beast indeed. 
horse girl Aragorn coming through. Yeah, he's such a horse girl. And then Boromir talks about Rohan's relationship with their horses, which is interesting. Yeah. And then Gandalf brags about shadow facts, and both of those are great. Yes. Um, Gandalf says, And there is one among them that might have been foaled in the morning of the world. The horses of the nine cannot vie with him, tireless, swift as the flowing wind. Shadow facts, they called him. By day his coat glistens like silver, and by night it is like a shade, and he passes unseen. Light is his footfall. Never before had any man mounted him, but I took him and I tamed him, and so speedily he bore me that I reached the Shire when Frodo was on the Barrow Downs, though I set out from Rohan only when he set out from Hobbiton. That's some wow, horse. good shit. Right, and then later he's talking about how, um, like, on the eventual road to Rivendell, Shadowfax had to leave because of the rocky terrain that they're traversing. Yes. And he says, I sent him back to his master, but a great friendship has grown between us. And if I have need, he will come at my call. They're friends. Yeah. I also want to mention really fast the thing that Boromir says about like the people of Rohan and their horses. Yes. Everyone in that fucking country is a horse girl. Yeah. Boromir says they love their horses next to their kin. Yeah. Good shit. So then Wow, Shadow Facts. I know. We're actually here. That's the name of the thing. We've done it. Um throughout my notes, I'm so used to typing Shadow Facts, the name of our podcast now, that I kept typing the name of the horse as the name of the podcast. Uh yeah. So the council goes on and it's kind of decided who all is going. The fellowship is formed. And you talked about kind of the <laughs> how striking the way that goes in the book is yeah so in in the movie they like everyone starts fighting right about Mm -hmm. everything and finally frodo's like i'll take the ring though i do not know the way in the book it is silent like they're like well who should go then it sounds so uncomfortable yes they are all just sitting there with their heads down in silence and i likened it to like that horrible moment in class when like no one is talking and then finally someone says something because like someone's gotta say something um but yeah that is when frodo speaks is like no one is talking everyone is just sitting there in silence and finally frodo says and he says it like there's a line about like almost like by a will not his own um yeah. like it's like he hears his own voice coming from him yeah also so he, you know frodo agrees to do it and then sam kind of bursts out from where he's been hiding and wants says he wants to go and this is just another very cute i feel like sam has so many fantastic both moments of his own because he's so funny and spirited and great moments with frodo and there's a really brief great moment with frodo so Elrond, you know, chastises Sam for being at the secret meeting. You at least shall go with him. It is hardly possible to separate you from him, even when he is summoned to a secret council and you are not. Mm-hmm. Sam sat down, blushing and muttering. A nice pickle we have landed ourselves in, Mr. Frodo, he said, shaking his head. Yeah, it's great. I so, I want to talk about one other thing before we get to... Um, oh, perfect. I have one other thing, too. Maybe the most important Who would have horse. guessed that we both would have other things? Wow. 
Um, and that is the depiction of Aragorn between the book and movies, which is something I oh. have an ongoing gripe about, which I'm sorry for Caitlin. I have heard quite a bit about this from I you. Because I won't but, shut up you know. about it. I just, okay, so in the movie, there's this whole, like, I never want this power thing, right? Like, he's the heir to Gondor's throne, and he doesn't want to be king, and he's mm-hmm. very mopey about the whole thing. And we don't get that in the book. Like, in the book, I mean, even in the Tavern in Bree, he's like, I am Aragorn, son of Arathorn. Like, he knows who he is. And even if he's not, like, taking the throne yet, like, he's, he's, he is waiting for the right time, not reluctant. And, yeah. And so that's one piece of it. But the bigger thing that I'm realizing, like, watching, like, comparing the two, is that he's just so much of a a, like a more well-rounded character in the book we get humor from him in the book and like sadness but also all of this other stuff you know like he helps Bilbo like write his song when they're in the you know the singing hall of the elves (laughs) yeah which they've done before right. right yes like like he's like Bilbo's like chum you know, on an ongoing right, basis. He, he he has more of a sense of, like, how he fits into the world in the book. Yes. Like, he goes out, you know, writing with um, Arwen's brother to do, like, important scouting. And, like, he, he really clearly articulates, like, they don't really explain what, like, being a ranger is. But in the books, like, Aragorn lays it out pretty plainly. of like, yeah, there's a bunch of shit in the world. And, like, I am on active defense in a way that goes unseen by by people with normal lives yes and that allows people to go on living those normal lives because of like the work he and the other rangers do and yeah and i just in the movie i'm having like he's pretty um there are things i i like but also i just want him him greasy i want more like humanity from him Yeah, so I think explain this motivation well in later films, which is, like, his reluctance to take power is, like, he doesn't want to repeat the sins of his forefather that, like, doomed the fucking world. Like, that's a pretty huge mantle of, like, inherited grief. But it doesn't doesn't really come through in this movie. And also, just the order, the order is weird. Like, after the Council of Elrond, when um, Strider decides he's going... Like, they just reforge, they reforge Narsil into Anduril right there, and he just has it now going forward. Yeah, and that hits very differently. In yeah, the there's actually, that like moment- it makes more sense. There's, like, a prophecy and things. Yeah, um, when Frodo finds out that, like, Strider is part of the um, Fellowship is actually a really good moment of that, like, kind of characterization you're talking about. Elrond is listing the fellowship to Frodo. It doesn't, like, happen in the meeting. Like, Frodo says yes, and then they are in Rivendell for another couple of months, and Elrond, like, decides the fellowship and is telling Frodo who's going, um, and announces that Strider is going, and Frodo says, Strider! Yes, he said with a smile. I ask leave once again to be your companion, Frodo. And Frodo says, I would have begged you to come, only I thought you were going to Minas Tirith with Boromir. I am, said Aragorn, and the sword that was broken shall be reforged ere I set out to war. But your road and I ro- and our road lie together for many hundreds of miles. So that's like a pretty different, like, yeah. I, I, I just love, I love, yeah. I think that little moment of like, 
like, can I be your companion again is very sweet. And also the whole Boromir Aragorn dynamic is just very, very different. Yeah, it is. And I mean, and I was talking about this, like his scenes with Mm -hmm. Arwen in the film, I'm also sort of struggling with. They're really wooden. Yeah. And, and it is because there's this lack of like humanity of realness, which I think is, it's hard to avoid when you are having one person play like an elf who's supposed to be sort of like otherworldly and things. But like, I just, when you're like, okay, don't show any human emotion, then like, I don't know how you expect two people to like have chemistry on screen or like to have a believable romance or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's both, it's both the lack of chemistry and also the worst of like Arthurian romance tropes like it's just bad yeah okay there's one last thing i want to touch on before we kind of wrap up the council of elrond because we should keep moving it has been so many pages since we heard of a horse we we do have a horse there's um, a segment i thought was actually um really kind of relevant to the world when Uh the council is trying to decide what to do they're caught with you know they have the ring and anything to do with the ring feels like the wrong choice and they they feel like they're stuck with this impossible decision to unmake it which is you know it very difficult or to hide it forever which they cannot guarantee so um one of the one of the elves says thus we return once more to the destroying of the ring and yet we come no, no nearer what strength have we for the finding of the fire in which it was made that is the path of despair of folly, I would say, if the long wisdom of Elrond did not forbid me. Despair or folly, said Gandalf. It is not despair, for despair is only for those who see the end beyond all doubt. We do not. It is wisdom to recognize necessity, when all other courses have been weighed, though as folly it may appear to those who cling to false hope. Which, <laughs> it, like, is yeah. the meme about, like, my friendship with individual despair is over. My new best friend is community anger that just felt it's, I think it's always a joy to find those moments of like, this was written, you know, almost a century ago describing entirely different circumstances and yet resonates very clearly to me today. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, just the, the conversations about like, Oh, that action is like too radical. It would be impossible. But, like, there's courage in, like, envisioning something different. Oh! That, yes. That change is possible. Yes. Uh, That reminds me, I'm sorry, there's actually one last thing I want to talk about. And this is a thing that really (laughs) frustrates me, given, like, I think a thing that is really frustrating about this series is these, like, kind of interesting, nuanced ideas side by side with, like, really boring, like, fully good, fully evil, like, these people are good or bad, blah, blah, blah. Um, mm-hmm. And, p- part, like, a big part of the conversation at the Council of Elrond, Boromir puts forward, like, hey, this is a very powerful weapon. Like, can't we use this for our benefit? And um, Elrond and Gandalf are essentially, like, the ring is too powerful. Like, even if you start off with, like, good intentions, like, you can't use it to good ends, even with good intentions. And Elrond says, for nothing is evil in the beginning. Which, it, like, that side by side with, like, 
entire races of people who are just like evil from the beginning is is so frustrating when like there's this current that runs through the book about the idea of like uh, of the power of the ring like that i just found it just doesn't yeah fit in a really frustrating way i don't know if that makes sense yeah i mean i think tolkien would say that like those races haven't been evil from the beginning like they became corrupted over time but he still thinks of like like an orc from you know birth is evil because of the like overall corruption of the race and like that's some shit um yeah yeah. it's just it's it is simultaneously a story that is so fascinated with like duty and care and like the very heavy weight of like personal morality and also is entirely willing to like write off species like it's a frustrating dichotomy yeah yeah okay let's go back to horses Okay, let's talk about Bill. I would the love pony. nothing more than to talk about Bill the Pony. This guy. Yeah. So at sorry, I just saw a note on my page that says, "Is Gandalf human?" with three question marks <laughs> following it. Hey, buddy. I. You went through it this section, huh? I don't know. I didn't write a page number down either, so, like, I have no fucking I mean, fucking it's implied clue. that wizards aren't humans. Oh, you know what? No, we don't have time for this. Bill the Pony. <laughs> nope. Bill, Bill the, pony. the Pony. Okay, page 293. It says, Spare food and clothes and blankets and other needs were laden on a pony, none other than the poor beast that they had brought from free. The stay in Rivendell had worked a great wonder of change on him. He was glossy and seemed to have the vigor of youth. It was Sam who had insisted on choosing him, declaring that Bill, as he called him, would pine if he did not come. That animal can nearly talk, he said, and would talk if he stayed here much longer. He gave me a look as plain as Mr. Pippin could speak it. If you don't let me go with you, Sam, I'll follow on my own. So Bill was going as the beast of burden, yet he was the only member of the company that did not seem depressed. Oh, Bill. Yeah. And then there there are lots of little Bill references. And, and many of them, like, um, Tolkien, like, saved his best, like, tiny moments of characterization for this fucking horse. Yeah, it's great. There's the, like, Sam saying, Bill, my lad, you oughtn't to have took up with us. You could have stayed here and et the best hay till the new grass comes. Bill swished his tail and said nothing. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Any other um, specific Bill? What are the Bill okay, moments? Okay. So wanna... I'm so glad you asked. I have several. So um, when they are yeah. about to head up into the snowy mountains, Boromir suggests that they take firewood because they will need it. <laughs> and Bill could take a bit more, couldn't you, lad? Said Sam. The pony looked at him mournfully. <laughs> And then when they're actually up the mountain and things are going a little rough, um, the four hobbits are kind of huddled together with their backs to the wall. Bill the pony stood patiently but dejectedly in front of the hobbits and screamed them a little. But before long, the drifting snow was above his hocks and it went on mounting. And then I have one last non-bummer Bill the pony moment to mention, which is partially a Bill moment, mostly a... a, um, don't to- like never toss a dwarf moment oh when they're yes. like beating the retreat yes, down yes. from Karan. Yeah, is... yeah exactly and there's um 
the snow is so high, they essentially can't break through it. So Boromir and Aragorn, like, take turns carrying everyone through the snow, which is great. Um, uh-huh. After a while, Boromir mm-hmm. returned carrying Sam. Behind him, in the narrow but now well-trodden track, came Gandalf, leading Bill, with Gimli perched among the baggage. Yeah, which is a great image. And also, Bill is so strong. Bill has been carrying all that baggage and now has a whole-ass dwarf And the, all that him. dwarf's armor and axes. Yeah. yeah. It's- and he's just like, yep, gonna trudge through this snow. This is fine. Um, also... There's a whole wolf attack scene in the book that is not in the book. Yeah, film. which actually, I'm really glad that they, like, opted out of that one. Yes, um, it's not necessary, but we do get um, a Bill moment because it says there, he, this is before the wolves have attacked when they just, like, hear mm-hmm. them all howling and, like, starting to surround the camp. Poor Bill the Pony trembled and sweated where he stood. Yeah, but... <laughs> But same. Yeah, and I'm afraid things things yeah. kind of only go downhill for Bill from you know from that point on. But before we get into that, do we want to talk about movie yes, Bill? Before we get to the goodbye, let's talk about movie yes. Bill. Bill is played by two different horse actors. Yes. One of them is Rastus, a Shetland pony, who is used basically for all of the the wide shots when you can see you know the whole fellowship at once and usually you can see faces of the big people but the hobbits are often less visible because their body doubles yes yeah, it's the same way they do with the horses to do horse perspective to like sell the size difference between hobbits and dwarves and humans it's like the same way yes. that they made like Big tables in the bag end set to make Frodo look, to make Elijah Wood look like Frodo. Exactly. But they did it with So a horse. they have Little mm-hmm. Pony to use next to the big people, and then they have like regular size horse basically to use next to the Hobbit actors to make them look yes. small. Um, because it's supposed to be a Little Pony. Um, and that, the bigger horse actor is named Shane. Mm-hmm. And, um, according to some internet sources is a quarter horse and some other internet sources is a Shetland pony quarter horse cross. He's tall enough that I don't know that I- Or no, sorry. No. He's a quarter horse. Yeah. Rastus, by some internet sources, is full Shetland and in other sources is Shetland crossed with- That I believe because he doesn't have- some of the, like, he is a shorter, but he doesn't have some of the pony characteristics that I think of. Like, proportionally, he's a little closer to a horse than a yeah. pony. And he doesn't have the the poofy mane that, like, Shetlands in particular get. Yeah, although his mane is also covered up with That's a good point. That, that shit is part. just, like, is, but like, yes. hot topic straightened under there. Yeah, so we were curious about, like, which, which horse is which, and we have learned... To visually distinguish them. Yeah, you can get you get a lot of mileage out of who is standing next to the horses in terms of, like, if a human is leading Bill, it is most likely to be Rastus. And if a hobbit or a dwarf is yes. leading Bill, it is most likely to be Shane. It's most likely But there are some visual Shane. differences that, um, yeah, like Joey said, we found really helpful in trying to yeah. suss out which was which. Yeah, and I will post a couple of these pictures on the Twitter when this episode drops 
for um the pictures that we're talking about our our, our red string so, bill shane rastus board yeah we really dived deep on this one rastus has they both are like chestnut with kind of a lighter like they're kind of like halfway between chestnut and yeah. palomino their, their mains are very yellow um, i suspect like this brago.net says that shane is a palomino quarter horse and i suspect that the main extensions are partly to make rastus's mane match the lighter mane mm-hmm. that shane has so they both have a white blaze shane's white blaze veers much closer to one of his eyes if you're looking at him it's on your right his left eye um and the blaze like kind of curves over and gets pretty close to that eye whereas for on rastus that blaze gets narrower kind of under his forelock and doesn't go nearly mm-hmm. as as close to that eye. and what about the socks they also have different what socks. about the socks yeah so canonically uh, for the movies Movie which we're based, which we're basing on Bill the has... available merchandise of Bill the Pony, which is like Weta miniatures. Yes, and the the greater number of like mm-hmm. movie shots, um, is that Bill has a single white sock on his right hind leg. Um, the problem is Shane has more white socks. So than many that. socks. Yes, our theory is that sometimes. They cover those socks with, you know, paint, basically. Um, but sometimes... They like forget. Legolas's color contacts. Yes, exactly. Which they also sometimes forget to give him his blue contacts. And then his elf eyes are brown. I mean, there should be more brown-eyed elves, let's be honest. Yeah. But also, continuity. So there's one picture of Bill surrounded by all four hobbits and it's definitely the hobbits like you like the actual actors you can see their faces really well and there is a very clear white sock on a front leg there that's because that's shane and they forgot to cover that sock up properly but in other shots it's definitely shane and those socks are covered but they look kind of you can kind of see the white especially that peeking right leg it's yeah and there's kind of like a darker brown there it just it looks you know a little iffy and i want to say very clearly like this does not come from a place of like ah we are the continuity police because fuck cops and also fuck that impulse in fandoms this is more like the joy of like kind of sleuthing out these small differences between the horses yes we just wanted to like know if we could if we could figure it out um and see who's who so we also discovered is that all of the bills, Shane and Rastus? Shane and Rastus, I think so. I think there's one more bill, a, a false imposter bill. It's true, there is a false imposter bill. Um, so which which I'll get to in just a second. Okay. In our research on Bill, I came across a treasure, a, tr- a r- genuine treasure. It is called the Gray Book, and it is a blog written by Ian McKellen during his time as Gandalf filming. And it's like about the process. It's a delight. There are pictures. There are charming charming. anecdotes. Yeah. I have not read a lot of it, so I can't vouch for all of it, but I did write or I did read his entry on various creatures where he talks about Rastus. He says, more my style is the chestnut Rastus who plays Bill the Pony and is adorable. The compliant ever licking Rastus is 11 years old and American Quarter Horse crossed with Shetland. 
Led by Samwise, he reliably carried the Fellowship's baggage and endured the uncomfortable snowstorm of polystyrene and rice flakes when Saruman's agents attacked the nine of us in the Wellington studio en route for Moria. <laughs> he was less phased by the Tempest than the rest of the cast, even though he didn't have blinkers on. He didn't complain of dust in the eyes or polystyrene balls in every bodily crevice. Between takes, as I called for bottled water and a makeup check, Rastus calmly helped himself to the layer of salt, which added glitter to the surface of the snow. I wish he had made it into the mines of Moria. He would not have been daunted by all those steps and passageways, nor by the rowdy goblins. Indeed, I would have trusted him with the ring itself. Oh. It's just, it's so delightful. And then he goes on to say, last week, for the last time, I filmed with him, or with what was inelegantly referred to in the daily call sheet as Panto Bill. So he explains that Panto refers to a pantomime horse made up of, you know, two actors bent over. If you if you think the traditional sort of like gag of a Halloween costume. costume of two people in a horse suit, like it's that. It's that. Um so he explains that in the mountain range above Takaka on Golden Bay, South Island of New Zealand, so that's the scene in the movie where they've been traveling and then they are kind of in this weird cluster of rocks and they see the like huge like flock of crows coming and they all hide right before they see that flock of crows they're like you know making camp basically you can so that's that's filmed in this mountain range and it says Rastus couldn't make it into the helicopter that ferried the rest of us up and so Panto took over trying to get a pony into a helicopter sounds like a nightmare. It was also, I think, similarly difficult to get Sean Bean into the helicopters because he was terrified of them and would, like, hike. Oh. He would spend, like, half the day, like, hiking to the set rather than get on the helicopter. Oh, my God. Wow. So we were able to spot Panto Bill. Once you know that he exists, he is kind of difficult to not see because it's it's horse-adjacent, yeah. but not quite horse-like. Yeah, it's... It's not hard to see. Um, if you want to look yourself, uh, my timestamp. So if you're watching digitally, the timestamp should be somewhere around uh one fifty one fifteen. So one hour fifty one minutes and fifteen seconds. Um, if you're watching on discs and have had to switch to the new disc, Caitlin can give you. It's the at five minutes and forty one seconds. God, that. The concept of switching discs like that, like, makes me feel a little old. It's and we're not we're not going to go um, over in yeah. a lot of detail. We have kind of written down every the timestamps for every time that Bill is on screen, whether it is Big Bill, a.k.a. Shane or Rastus. But mm-hmm. um, I challenge you, if you're at all interested, to, like, watch for yourself and try and suss out which is which. We'll probably post a screenshot of our notes and our official ruling of who is who. But let us know if you can tell the difference between yeah. Shane and Rastus. Yeah. Um, we also noticed that when that flock of birds does show up and they all hide, Bill, Bill where does just Bill go? disappears. Bill they do not they don't hide They're Bill like, under a rock. Stuff that panto horse under a rock. I choose to imagine because Sam is under a rock. Like there's a shot of Sam lying on his back under a rock and peering out, and I'm choosing to believe that just off screen to his side is Bill, because of course Sam would look to Bill. Yeah. Um, we will be returning to Ian McKellen's blog in a future episode because he talks a bit about movie shadow facts mm. also. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's 
that's the bill material yeah we, have, we won't so. we won't actually clap eyes that's on shadow that. facts for a while so um after yes, after bill movie yeah bill and I, we're we're horseless now because after um the party turns bill loose outside the gates of moria which is uh, which we need, I mean, we need to talk about that. Though. Yeah, I just I just want to say we're pretty much done with the movie yeah. at this point. There are no horses in Moria and no horses through the yes. other end, which is the end of our section. So we are effectively done with the movie. So we will kind of finish our book section and then come back and finish our measly count today. Yeah, yeah. We do have, um, I honestly, I've already forgotten how the Sam saying goodbye to Bill scene goes down in the movie. It- so it's um, it's like Aragorn says to Sam that they can't take Bill with him, and it's a shot of Ar- of Aragorn and Sam side by side. And this is where oh, it's right, interesting right, 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 because right. it's actually like it is visibly Shane who they use for a, like a lot of the like close up hero shots are Shane regardless of um kind of what is going on size wise. And Sam kind of tearfully. Well, it's because usually that's because there's a hobbit yes, close yes, to him. Yes, because Sam so is, they have is to. the most go to. So Sam kind of like tearfully slips off his like headpiece and then um, Aragorn like pushes him away. And what's, yeah, what's interesting about this shot is Aragorn and Sam appear to be side by side. Um, Sam, both of their faces are visible throughout the shot. And we also know it's Shane. And so we're assuming based on the height difference between Viggo Mortensen and Sean Astin during this, and also kind of the like awkward way that he moves in the scene that Viggo is just like standing on a box to achieve the proportions. Yeah, because he is like behind the horse the whole yeah. time, whereas Sam is like to one side of it. Yeah. And yeah, it definitely seems like he's like on some like height to make the proportions work. Um, I gotta say, I, this the scene so, in the book is much sadder than in the movie too. Yeah, it is. And oh man, I just, it, it's so much. And Gandalf's moment there is so sweet too. Yeah. Yeah. This is, um, there's many moments of like Gandalf being very tender towards the hobbits in the book that like don't make it to the screen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have Sam saying, but you can't leave poor old Bill behind in this forsaken place, Mr. Gandalf. I won't have it. And that's flat after he's come so far and all and Gandalf sort of says like look he wouldn't even go into Moria if you tried to make him like you're gonna have to choose between Bill and Frodo and Sam says no like he'd follow me anywhere if I led him it'd be nothing short of murder to turn him loose with all these wolves about and then Gandalf says it will be short of murder I hope he laid his hand on the pony's head and spoke in a low voice Go with words of guard and guiding on you, he said. You are a wise beast and have learned much in Rivendell. Make your way to places where you can find grass and so come in time to Elrond's house or wherever you wish to go. Yeah, which is so sweet, but also awful because Gandalf had said that Sam would have to choose between Bill and Frodo and then that kind of comes true. Like before they really have the chance, they've like unloaded bill and taking his tack off but before yeah, and sam bursts into tears yeah it, yeah and before they have the chance to kind of shoo him away the watcher in the water attacks frodo and so sam is the one who kind of sees this happen 
Bill the Pony gave a wild neigh of fear and turned tail and dashed away along, along the lakeside into darkness. Sam leaped after him, and then hearing Frodo's cry, he ran back again, weeping and cursing. Which yeah. may have caused some tears. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to point out, like, when the Watcher in the Water attacks Frodo, everyone is basically, like, sort of frozen. Yeah, and, and Sam, Sam is the one who's, who is on his knees next to Frodo, slashing at the tentacle with a knife. Yeah. Yeah, it's it like this little hobbit is like doing everything he can and oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then and then when they finally like flee into the mine and like it sort of uh avalanches behind them. Mm-hmm. It says Sam clinging to Frodo's arm collapsed on a step in the black darkness. Poor old Bill, he said in a choking voice. Poor old Bill. Wolves and snakes but the snakes were too much for him. I had to choose, Mr. Frodo. I had to come with you. Oh, oh, God. Yeah. And that's... That's a lot. And that's... That's it on horses. I, I do want to say, if anyone is worried about Bill, he makes it back to friendly places, mm-hmm. which we will touch on when we get there in the books, because there's a reference to it near the end. Um, But if you're feeling concerned, he does in fact survive which is better than he fares in the old animated version yeah where he gets et. eaten by the watcher et. yeah um so th- that's it for horses on both the movie and the book um there's the entire section of moria uh, which is a big chunk which we kind of squeezed in here knowing it would be horse light um do you have anything you want to yeah. say about moria yeah, before we get to our ranking for this episode, I want to mention um their exit from Moria. Mm-hmm. Um where they've just seen Gandalf um T-pose down the chasm. <laughs> um <laughs> I swear like that is what happens in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, and they're crying and like I here's what I will say is that I've been complaining a lot about the movie compared to the book but they they give us more in that scene than the book does in in the grieving scene in a way that i like um in the book we have there is a line about them crying Mm -hmm. but it says um grief at last wholly overcame them and they wept long some standing and silent some cast upon the ground um which i like I that's a it's a good line um in the movie there's this incredible to me moment of like seeing Legolas cope with this and he is like sad but he looks confused he looks very confused yes and I I I cannot take credit for this sort of like insight because I read it somewhere online and I don't even know where so I'm sorry about that um Someone on the internet talked about, like, Legolas is immortal and has been hanging out with other immortal people. And he is, like, he's experiencing the loss of Gandalf, but he's also, like, confronted with the grief of everyone around him in this, like, really visceral way and is, like, trying to, like, make sense of it all. And it's just, I mean, like, an intense moment. Mm -hmm. And, like, knowing that watching it this time was like seeing Legolas's face was like oh 
whoa, like, fuck me up. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like what always gets me about that scene is, like, Mary holding Pippin. Mm-hmm. Um, gets me every time. But, yeah, you are, you told me that kind of interpretation, like, immediately after we finished that scene, and I was like, I need to go sit down. <laughs> yeah. You, in fact, could not stop saying bro, which is a surefire <laughs> sign that you bro. are experiencing too, too many feelings to know how to handle and are deflecting. Horrible. I hate <laughs> both that you know that about me and that it's true. I am disgusted. Let's rank yeah, some fucking horses. God. <laughs> okay. Okay. What was your favorite horse in this segment? Uh, so technically, I mean, it's Bill. It's Bill all the way through right. in the book. But Bill, I don't know. Do you have Do you have a favorite Bill? Uh, like between, what do you mean by that? Do you mean by horse actor or? Scene I, I was thinking. I was thinking like see. I was thinking like moment from the movie since we have kind of talked about our favorite Bill moments from the book. But also, I'll take Shane or. You know, Shane, Rastus, or Panto. Big I Bill, mean, Will Bill, and Fake Bill. Is that even a competition? It fake has Bill. To be Panto. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow, I'm so glad we're... I'm so glad we're in agreement. The official stance of the Shadow Facts podcast, TM, is fuck cops and we love Panto Bill. Look, his weird mop tail, <laughs> his lumpy hindquarters... I just... I mean, I also have a lumpy no, hindquarters. It's, no fine. it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. Um, okay, besides, I agree, like, uh, horse bill is incredible. Although, also, we get horse shadow facts, but only kind of like Gandalf talking about him, we don't sort of see shadow facts, like, present, like, he's not, like, in the present moment Mm -hmm. in the book. True. Yeah. If that makes sense, you know. Um, Those descriptions of him are very lyrical, though. I would have to say, like, horse yeah yeah they're beautiful um i think movie horse though i i really like hubris oh sure okay like i i just he's a nice looking he's a nice looking horse she it it, you were convinced it was an arabian at first which i do have to call you out for well okay i had not seen it turn its head yet and it does it does give you this like weird illusion of that like concave head shape initially yeah okay so Um, all the horses total that we see on screen from this segment are Asphaloth, Hubris, the four elvish horses, Rudlabor, Angren, Germ- Germanion, and Alata, and then a bunch of Bills. Yes. We have seen Bill and all- Yes. We have seen Bill and we have seen Asphaloth before, so that leaves Hubris and the elvish four for a section total of five. We will add that to our running total previously of 48. Which gives us 53 horses so far. Wow. 53 horses. Kind of, we we have talked both times about like, oh, this section was light on horses. And here we are with the section actually lightest on horses, movie-wise. And it's yeah. our longest epi yet. But there, look, <laughs> meaty content. That's what, uh, that's what I've been saying. Beefy, um, beefy chunky content. So that content. covers uh, our first, vows one yeah, and two. Which leaves vow number three. Uh, Joey, I, I gotta yes. tell you, um, we didn't really talk about the songs as we were going through the book this time, but 90% of the songs this section, this section is also a little song light, they're bummers. Like, one 
One actually made me cry. Yeah. Bilbo sings a song after he and Frodo have an emotional heart to heart. Like Bilbo kind of does this thing where he like sings a song both to express his feelings and also to get out of the current conversation. And it's a song. Uh, Love to evade a conversation by looking out the window and singing a song. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think we should read this one really fast in its enti- in its entirety, even if we don't do this one, just because it's really fucking sad. Do you yeah. want to do our usual um, stanza swap? Yes, I just have to. F- uh, yes, the I sit beside yeah. the fire. Yeah, how about think. you? How about you kick us off? Okay, I sit beside the fire and think of all that I have seen, of meadow flowers and butterflies in summers that have been. Of yellow leaves and gossamer, and autumns that there were, with morning mist and silver sun and wind upon my hair. He's really leaning into really the slant Really leaning rhymes. into the slant rhyme. I sit beside the fire and think of how the world will be when winter comes without a spring that I shall ever see. For still there are so many things that I have never seen. In every wood and every spring there is a different green. I sit beside the fire and think of people long ago, and people who will see a world that I shall never know. But all the while I sit and think of times there were before. I listen for returning feet and voices at the door. Ah! Wow, some feelings about aging and... Mortality and entropy. Yeah. Damn. We can't do um, we can't do that one. It's too sad. The song we are rewriting, however. Yeah. The song the song that I petition we rewrite. Oh my god, hold on. I wonder if we're thinking the same thing. I can only guess that we are because we're so often on that. We are either in complete agreement or complete disagreement and no no shades in between. Mine starts, ah, uh, Elbereth Gilthonia. Fuck yes. Let's, Joey, let's do the song that's all in Elvish. <laughs> yes, it is at least a short one. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't even know that we need to do all of it. I'm kind of picturing like a, what if we, I don't know, let's, let's try. Let, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the okay. whole thing. Can yes, I read the whole thing? Yes, of course, of course. I, I. I don't have this pronunci- pronunciation perfect, but I remember most of what I used to know about Elvish pronunciation, so I'll do my best here. A uh, Elbereth Gilthoniel, Solivrin Penemiriel, O Menel Aglar Elenath, Nacarid Palandiriel, O Galath Remin Enorath, Fenuelos Lalinathon, Nef Eir, Si Nef Eiron. You fucking nerd. <laughs> By which I mean, of course, good job. So what if Thank what you. if we just pick so, the like horse related words we can find in our various like elvish glossaries and just mash them up? Yeah. Um yeah, do we so here's mm-hmm. one thing we can do to make this fairly easy is we keep all of the last words of the phrases cuz the the rhyme scheme will stay intact that way because Do you have a translation of this poem I, because I it is not translated in my version, I and I have not looked it up. So I'm not sure if we can keep the last words with and still have it mean anything. Uh, look, it's not. It's going to be hard to keep anything intact here. Like here, here's the translation. Okay. Oh, Elbereth Star Kindler, white glittering, slanting down, sparkling like a jewel, the glory of the starry host. Having gazed far away from the tree-woven lands of Middle-earth, 
to thee ever white I will sing, on this side of the ocean, here on this side of the ocean. So, like, they're singing to a, to a star. Mm. Um, <laughs> all of my other thoughts were blocked out during your translation because I kept expecting it to be the last line based on how many words you were saying compared to how many words are on the page. And also, because yeah, it's not a... after you said Star Kindler, I just kept thinking Warrior Cat OC, Warrior Cat OC, Warrior Cat OC. <laughs> so, okay, Elbereth is the... Am I the only gay on Twitter who has not read any Warrior Cats? Oh, anything? I'm sorry. That was misleading. I have also not read any Warrior Cats, but, like, I still can recognize the <laughs> oh. cadence. Okay. Um, well, thanks for being honest. Oh my gosh. I, Joey, I'm the first to drag myself. Okay, so what if we what if we <laughs> just swap out we could be real we could be real real cheaters here and just swap out some proper nouns. So like Elbereth is a proper noun. Oh my god, what if we what if we just what if we made it to a horse that we named? What if it's to Bill? Uh, what if it's to Bill? Uh a sh- uh, Shadowfax Gilthoniel. <gasps> a Shadowfax Gilthoniel? Yeah, an ode to Shadowfax. What else is a proper noun here? Is that it? Well, okay, so let's let's think. White glittering. That's that's shadow that facts. Means what we want yeah. it to, right? Uh, incidentally, that is the word silivren, which we named a horse, right. an elvish mm-hmm. horse, in the first episode. Mm-hmm. And then penne pasta. Um, yeah. Do we have? Um. So I don't. Uh, I don't know fully. Like what word goes with what yeah it, well and it seems like there there there's a there's a lot of translation coming out of not a lot of source material right so just forgive us for this because we are butchering language here but what if we change penna which presumably means slanting down to noro which has to do with riding oh so white glittering riding sparkling like a jewel i love that and especially because like the one thing i actually know about noro is it is like the imperative conjugation yeah perfect okay hold on so well i mean that works because look we're singing two shadow facts right so oh shadow facts star kindler white glittering ride on sparkling like a jewel like that's it's not like what the poem is initially saying but like it that is a thing you could yeah conceivably write okay so that's the first half done yes are we changing anything in omenal aglar elenath the glory of the starry host uh i feel like we should change host but i feel like that's probably interact Let, let's see hold on elenath well that's wait um, oh, right, because Elenath rhymes with Enerath in, the, in like, this... Right. Uh, another couple lines. What does Enerath mean? Uh, uh, well, we have two, oh, two inter- words. Elenath, no, Enerath is Middle-earth. Yeah, that's later in the poem. Elenath is the word we're currently talking about. E-L-E-N-A-T-H. Oh, I thought that was included in the... Ugh, God, we're... I thought we were... I thought no, we were no, no, no. farther along. No, 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 no. Okay. Omenal Aglar Elenath means the glory of the starry host. Okay. Yeah, so I feel like that that one doesn't fit great. Like, Elenath might have to change. But maybe we can keep... What's, yeah, that su- what's but, the suffix nath? Because maybe we can keep 
that and just put a different prefix on there. And so we preserve the rhyme scheme. Oh, right? that's interesting. Hold on, let's yeah. see what math is. This is the worst radio maybe that we've done so far, which is us just like flipping through our fucking translation books. Look, this is what this podcast this is. is. This is unfortunately, it, you know, and I, I do mean this, this is unfortunately who we are. It is. Um, Nat as a suffix doesn't seem to be in my version. Is, hmm. Uh, okay, hold on just a second here. Hmm. I'm looking at an an online Cinderin dictionary because this is supposedly in Cinderin, mm-hmm. um, according to I don't know. Yeah, the text doesn't a wiki say or something. Yeah, but the wiki says, um, the this is the largest portion of Cinderin found in the novel. Um, so I'm trying to keep our language, uh, you know, consistent, consistent yeah, totally. here. Um, but. Elenath is not even in this. That is thing. Not a gr- a great sign. Tbh. I wish I could control F this physical book I'm holding in my hands. Yeah. Does Elenath? Is this an easy Google? Oh, it's the um Elenath. Oh, maybe. Okay. I wonder. Ellen. Okay, so Ellen is star. Okay. So Nath must be the host part of that, or the thing that implies multiple or ath is oh yeah ath oh let me see if that's in the thing i think i split that suffix incorrectly let me see if ath is there because ellen ellen is the root for star yeah a collective plural suffix so we could do that for like we could change that to like the roke ath for like meaning like of the herd Yes, um, there's another, wait, there's a two-syllable horse word. I mean, I know there's Rocco in uh, Quenya, but in Cinderin, it's that, it's the one I said earlier. It's like, oh, it's Lobor. Oh, okay. L-O-B-O-R. Um, so Loborath. Oh, that's, that's fucking slaps. I'm into that Lob, okay, hold on, so. Yeah. And then we'll leave the rest of it the same. Oh, Omenel Aglar Lobarath. Yes. Basically, the glory of the horsey host. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay. Okay, so uh, here's the thing. The second half holds. Like, having gazed far away from the tree-woven lands of Middle-earth to thee ever white, I will oh, sing. Oh, hold on. Let's see. Okay, that sounds great. But especially because we don't have... There's not a super clear rhyme scheme on that last line. Let's see if we can change sing. Let's see if we can get something a little horsier there. Like, is there like... Well, I mean, there is because Linathon rhymes with Aeron. Oh, yeah. Um, hold on. I just want to... It feels like we're, we, we have done so much already, but I just want to know. Yeah, I mean, l- see if you can dissect Linathon. Uh... I think it's Lina and Thon or Lin. Lin is sing. Um, yeah, Lina is to sing. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure what Thon. Neff, oh, Neff it, is. It's just the future. It's it's just the future tense. Okay, Neff Neff is on this side of. So that's that on this side of the sea. Yes, and then Aer and Aeron is the sea, the ocean. I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Um, you know what? We we've done great. I think I'm getting overly ambitious. 
Let's leave it as it is. It's yeah. perfect. Okay. okay. Can we get can okay. we get another good Joey read on that? Yeah. Do you have it? Yeah. Hold on. I'll I'll have post it. I'll post it. Typing yes. This? I'll post Sorry. it in the chat. Wow. That's a that's a big assumption. We could have really bit ourselves in the butt there. Yeah. Also, you're well, placing some trust in me head, that maybe so. I have not earned, given how my last attempt at transcribing our song rewrite went. I I know. <laughs> wow. A calculated okay. risk. Ah, Shadowfax Gilthoniel, Silivran Noromiriel, Omenel Aglar Loborath, Nakerid Palandiriel, Ogalathremen Enorath, Fenuelos Lelinathon, Nef Eir, Cnef Eiron. That's our best work yet. An ode to Shadowfax. To Shadowfax. Wow. Amazing. I'm worried we've now set the bar too high for our rewrites. Yeah, I think it's going to be up and down. Yeah. You know, there are going to be some better episodes yeah. and some worse episodes. That's um, that's life, baby. People will have to just bear with us through the fluctuations. Yeah. People will have to mare with us. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so that's the first three quarters of the book done. Yeah. Holy shit. I know. I, like, um, our, <sighs> we're getting there. We are. Our um, fourth vow is that we will answer the call of Gondor when the beacon is lit. And it has not yet been lit. That's written into the vow. Beacon's not lit. You know, um, nothing we can do. Yeah. When you send us your questions, we will answer them. And I think, is that it? Yeah, next time next time we'll be reading from um, Lothlorien to the end of the book. So that is chapter oh, six shit. to the end of Fellowship. Finish Fellowship. Yeah, chapter six of book two through the end of Fellowship. And that's, that's it for Fellowship. Wow. And then, um, minute marker hold on oh yeah this is this is all you because i'm on the uh, disc so my timestamp started over right so minute marker two twenty nine twenty seven to the end um or on the disc uh that minus an hour 45 minutes and 35 seconds we will post it in the episode description <laughs> indeed wow um wow well we continue horse by horse. Onward! Thank you for listening. The music you heard at the beginning was Horse by Horse, arranged and performed by us, Caitlin and Joey. You can listen to it again at soundcloud.com slash shadowfaxpod. The cover art was made by Annie Johnston Glick at Nuru on Twitter. I'm Caitlin. My pronouns are she, they, and you can follow me on Twitter at Behold. You can follow the show at shadowfaxpod, and email your horse-related LOTR questions to shadowfaxpod at gmail.com. Again, that is shadowfax, F-A-C-T-S. Joining me on this journey there and back again is... Joey. My pronouns are they, them, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoeyThePrince. If you want to read and watch along, check the episode description for the segment we'll cover next time. This has been Shadowfax. One horse to rule them all! Ha 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 ha!